The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100 at sleeper.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of SGPN, and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. And make sure to check out our new SGPN Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and joining me is my usual co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to break down another couple of ATP tournaments. We have Gastad, and we also have Hamburg. Looking forward to both. But introduction, Sam, how's it going? How's your week been? All right, can't complain. We had a couple of those crazy tournaments at the end there uh, with Bastad and Newports, uh, but it was fun to see some of those matches and how they really how they played out at the end. Yeah, uh, definitely wasn't exactly the best show for us. No, uh, we didn't exactly do too well in there. We'll fully admit that. Unfortunately, the real bad beat came in the final because I had Baez to win the tournament at twenty to one. And he ended up losing to Sarundolo in the final in straight sets. So close. I got a twenty to one under I got a twenty to one shot as a minus two ten favorite in the final. And he lost. So yep, Sam, any way you want to describe that on my behalf, because that just sounds rough as you say it in general, but I lived it, so it was even worse. Yeah, as you say, that's just a cooler. Uh a minus two ten favorite there, twenty to one. You right at the cusp there, and Sarandulo just took Bias's head off, kind of. Yeah, of, co- of course, so, you could have hedged it, and made ten units if you really wanted to hedge it. Right, right of no, course, you probably you probably do a little bit of hedging there, but you, you're calling something at the beginning of the tournament twenty to one. You'd love to see him pull through, but uh, yeah, on the other side, you got uh, that Newport match between Cressy and Bublik in the final, and that was just absolutely wild. I mean, you had you had Bublik who came out really swinging and dominating uh, him in the first set, and then what happened? Well, Bublik was up one set to nothing, up three nothing in the second set, and the match looked like it was over. Bublik was cruising; it looked like Cressy was a step behind, maybe fatigued from the three-set match against Isner, and then Cressy won six straight games. And Bublik went from up a set in a break to tied at a set apiece and then eventually lost in a tiebreaker. So I don't really know what happened there. Bublik kind of just imploded, but he had a shot to win it at the end, of course, in the breaker. He had a couple of 1530s on Cressy's uh, service games, and he wasn't able to actually do anything with it and didn't end up breaking at all. But I'm trying to think of sudden shifts in matches for no apparent reason. It didn't even seem like Cressy changed anything up. It just seemed like Bublik kind of imploded, didn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it was very weird because usually when you see something like that, you see someone who just falls out of his serve, of his serve, his first serve especially. And we didn't really see Bublik do that at all. Through all three sets, he still had a 90, a, over 90% first serve rate, which is crazy. I mean, that's just a very high efficiency and just very well done serving-wise. But I, I, he just he couldn't get it together on his ground strokes and his rallying and Cressy was able to take, take over and take advantage of that. Uh, once I hit three, nothing in the second set, but I don't think I've ever seen a match where somebody gets 95% in the first serve. I mean, in the first, yeah, in the first set, first serve, first set, 93% in the first serve, second set and 94% first serve percentage in the third set and still lose the match like that. It was, it was very weird to see. Very, but either way, I, I feel like we kind of just summed it up. It was a match that was fun, but we're not exactly sure why a flip uh, switch was flipped one way or another. Nice for Cressy to win his first ATP tournament, so congrats to him. But either way, uh, we're going to have to move on. Grass season is officially over. It's time to go through clay, and we have two clay court matches or clay uh, two clay court tournaments, I should say, that we're going to talk about. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Make sure to get down on the Wins Bet $50 to win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice in baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. And if you also bet $500 on sports or casino before July 31st, get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries are a Loud. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I personally use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now there's a new way to make money on there with their new over-under game. It's very simple. First in any sport, pick two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, the number of points in a basketball game or the hits in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. The main reason why I'm excited about the over under contest is because of the fact that it's the only app where you can join your buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And make sure to check out our new Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the SGPN crew. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Welcome back, everyone, to the uh, Tennis Gambling Podcast. Now, before we went on break, we recapped what happened last week, talked about Newport, and talked about Bastad. Now it's time to go to a tournament that sounds like Bastad, but we promise it's a different place. It's Gustad, 
And if you want to go through the actual odds here for the outrights, Casper Ruud is the favorite at around plus 195. Berrettini is the second favorite at plus 220. Then you have Batista good at 11 to 1, Dominic Team at 12 to 1, uh, Ramos Vanolas at 12 to 1, and then you have a couple of long shots there. Uh, for example, Martinez, Garin, and Sonigo are all 20 to 1. Sam, starting off with you, Rude, of course, had the, I don't want to say embarrassing loss, but he lost in three sets in his first match against the eventual winner, Sarundolo. Do you think that Rude still deserves to be a favorite? Do you think that he is potentially still rusty? Or do you think he just ran into the wrong player at the wrong time? Yeah, I've mentioned this in in a previous, and I believe it was a previous, yeah, in a previous podcast that when there's a change of surface, it's very, very difficult to have pure confidence on a favorite. Um, it doesn't matter who he is, really, uh, unless his name is Novak Djokovic. But uh, it doesn't matter who he is because it it gets a little challenging. I I personally never bet on someone who's changing surface with a, such a heavy favorite. It just it's it's just something different, you know. They're practicing all the time on grass, and they have to go a week or two, a week and a half later, go on a different surface. It's just that change could really. Um, could really hurt a player that's such a huge favorite like that. Yes, Serendolo obviously went on to win the final there and win the tournament, but I don't think it really had much to do with that compared to the Rude having to switch surfaces. And when it comes here, I think he got the rust off, and I think it's the first match that really gets gets the rust off. Uh, once you play that first match, you're able to really get back into the groove. You understand how the ball is bouncing because it's different for each surface, and then you really see the player get into their form. So I actually do think Rude, especially with this draw here, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, deserves to be the favorite here. Yeah, I think he does too. He's also the defending champion here. So of course he does have some experience. But I still think Rude is the second best clay court player on the planet. Maybe third if you want to argue Djokovic. We know Nadal is going to be one. But I'm with you. I'm not going to fully overreact to one bad outing. We also have talked at nauseam in the past about how difficult it is to change surfaces. And with uh, Rude getting one clay match you know, under his belt, I do think he should look sharper in this tournament. But Berrettini, I just mentioned the surface change. He has not played since the pre-Wimbledon grass tournaments because he ended up testing positive for COVID and wasn't able to play. I'm assuming post-COVID, with the surface change, you have no interest in Berrettini at plus 220? Well, if I'm not wrong here, I believe that Berrettini hasn't played a clay court match all year. He was injured for a little bit uh, earlier this season, and I believe after he played Indian Wells in March, he went straight into Stuttgart in June, which is a grass match. So I don't think he played any clay unless it was early, 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 early this year. so I cannot back Berrettini, especially in this first match. Uh, we'll see how the rust comes off after the first match. That's what I'm really looking at. Um, he does have a bye here in this one. He's on the opposite side of Root, obviously being the second seed. So we'll see who comes out of Gasquet versus Carbias Mania and then see how Berrettini faces. And after that, we'll take it from there. If he's able to get off the rust, I think he should be able to have a clear path really to the finals or at least the quarters because 
there's really no competition in this tournament besides Rude and Berrettini. There's some uh, middle name players, but none of these none of these big guys in the least. You know, you have a fifth seed like Pedro Martinez. Yes, he's very good on clay, and yes, he's a clay court specialist. But having a fifth seed as Pedro Martinez, it says something. Yeah, it's definitely true, but that was going to segue me into a couple of 10-to-1 or longer shots. Uh, Batista, Good and Team both had that very memorable three-set match last week. Team ended up winning that one, yet his odds in this tournament are a little bit longer as Team is 12-to-1 compared to Batista, Good's 11-to-1. Do either of those players interest you at all? I can't, I can't take either of them at 12-1 to 1 or 11-1. to 1. Each one of their matches, you never know how they're going to compete. I actually think Dominic Team, you know, I think he could make a run here. I, I really do. And I th- he'll, he might have to play Bautista Agut again because they are in the same quarter. But he, both of them having to play each other and having to play guys like Delbonis and Sonego, 12-1 to and 11-1, I can't really get behind too much. Yeah, but since you're not exactly interested in those, I know it seems like it's a pretty top-heavy tournament. Are there any long shots or let's just say 20-1 to shots or higher that you actually think has some value? Yeah, I mean, that's where I would go if I'm not taking one of those two guys of Casper Ruud or Berrettini. I would immediately try to get value on one of those big, big plus monies here. And it's all a matter of the draws in this circumstance, you want to pick a guy that's not in Berrettini or Rude's side. So you have are in their quarter, I should say. And you have the two quarters, the second quarter and the third quarter. Second quarter, you have Ramos Vignolas, you have Husler, Stricker, Jari, Montero, Hanfman, and Garin. And the th- Third quarter, you have Gaston, Team, Delbonis, Sonego, and Bautista. So you're trying to look at one of those guys to see if they can make a run here. And uh, if I was going to go with anyone, I think I would go with a guy like Christian Garin. We have seen him play very well on clay court. That's his best surface for sure. He hasn't really been in great form at this point, but if you're going to take a guy that's 20 to 1 or 25 to 1, I believe he does fit the bill. You know, it, with him being a clay court guy and being 20 to 1, you might have a hedging opportunity once you get into the quarters of the finals maybe, but I think that's the type of player you're really looking at. So I'm I'll be looking at Christian Garin at 20 to 1. Well, I got good news and bad news for you, depending on how you take it. That was my pick, too. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of what I was going to go with. Green, we saw, have a very surprising run there in Wimbledon where he made it further than we ever thought he would. Then Kyrgios, of course, ended up beating him in the quarters before Kyrgios had the walkthrough against Nadal in the semis. But Green's always been a very solid clay court player, and I do think that he has enough weapons to upset a couple of people along the way. I'm going to be sticking with the clay court theme uh, just of taking clay court specials at this point. Garin was my pick at 20 to 1. If he wanted another option, maybe Munar at 25 to 1, but I really don't feel great about that one. I think we're going to have the same long shot here because Garin has been good on clay his entire career. And the fact that he, he was good on at Wimbledon, I know that that doesn't really mean much considering the fact that they're transitioning over from grass to clay. However, I do think it might have done a bunch for his confidence because if you have been just succeeding on clay your entire career and grass is your, I'd say, perceived weakest surface, would would we agree on that? Yeah. 
the fact that he made such a deep run where he came back from two sets down against Diminuar, for example, and it seemed like he was battling a lot and he came through, I do think psychologically that deep run in a Grand Slam tournament could pay him a lot of, I'd say, positives moving forward. And for that reason, I do like Munar at 25-1. to 1. For the overall pick to win the tournament, I'm going Casper Root. I think Rude's going to win the tournament. I just think that he's still a great clay court player. And it turns out his loss to Sarundolo wasn't even that bad because Sarundolo won the whole damn thing. So mm-hmm. I think Rude is definitely the pick at plus 195. Shop around, you could probably find a plus 200, plus 220 somewhere. But my long shot would also be Green. Uh, do we have the same exact picks here? Because it sounds like we do. Yeah, I, I got to pick Casper Root as well. I think he'll be able to shake off the rush that he had. And, yeah, right, just like you said, Serendulo, he wasn't such a bad loss. He ended up winning the tournament, uh, beat Baez there in the finals. And he has really a kind of a cakewalk here. I, I hate to say it, but it, re- it really is with this quarter. Uh, he'll have to play Electrica in the next round. Then he'll have to play the Munar Marias winner. And then Richard who is just uh, a Swiss wild card player um, that they were able to get in there because they are in Switzerland. Uh, It doesn't really get too much easier than that. Uh, I think Rude will shake off the rust. He'll be able to get into that quarterfinals, have to play someone like Ramos, Vignolas, or Garin, no problem there, and be able to get a sw- sneak his way into the final with, well, not really sneak, walk his way into the finals. Uh, maybe if he plays Berrettini, that'll be a good match. We'll see what happens on that side. But like we said before, Berrettini hasn't played since early, early, early this year on clay. So you never know how he's going to shake off the rust to start. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. It seems like we kind of see eye to eye on this one. So transitioning over to the other clay tournament, we're going to travel over to Hamburg. And for this one, it definitely seems like there's a lot more, I'd say, high-quality players in this one, especially on clay. Gestad has some, but if you want to just go down the line for Hamburg, Alcaraz is a favorite, a big favorite, about minus 150. We'll talk about that in a second. You have Rublev at plus 550. Schwartzman at eleven to one, Karenya Busta at twelve to one, Davidovich Fakina at sixteen to one, Baez at twenty to one. Then you have Rune at twenty-two to one, and Musetti at twenty-five to one. The point is, it seems like the talent level at Hamburg is a lot deeper than the talent level at Gestad. First of all, I'll start off with Alcaraz, who's the favorite. Do you think he should be favored? And the second question is, should he be favored by this much if you think he should be favored in the overall tournament? Um, definitely should be favored. There's no one here that's really on his caliber at the moment. Um, you have Alcaraz, and then you have a steep drop-off to Rublev, who is by no means a terrible player, but it's just not his real best surface. Of course, it's hard court. Um, so he definitely should be favored. Now the question of minus 150 definitely should not be minus 150. Um, he hasn't he hasn't played clay since grass. He has to do the tradition uh, transition over to clay court. You know you had you had Djokovic who was the easier. Um, 
easy uh, favorites in Wimbledon, who's just a minus 125. And you have a two out of three tournaments here where, you know, it's, it's, not, it's tougher to really get through these matches because one thing goes the opponent's way and, you know, a match can slip from your fingers. But for all those reasons, there, I don't see there's any way that he should be a minus 150 here in this entire tournament. Um, I think he should be around a m- even money, if anything. Yeah, I think that it should honestly be closer to like plus 125 or plus 150. We saw him have a decent run at Wimbledon, kind of, not really. I mean, I'm trying to think of what exactly happened the last time we saw Alcaraz play. He was pushed to five sets against Struff. Then he looked okay in the middle matches. And then Sinner ended up winning in four. And if you want to go back to Clay, he did beat Nadal and Djokovic in the span of about two days in his home country. And then in the French Open, he lost a competitive four sets to Zverev. He also almost lost in one of the first couple rounds to Ramos Vinolas, and I believe the second round there, where he came back from two sets to one down, and I believe he fought off a match point or two. I get that Alcaraz is most likely the future, and I get that Alcaraz is a guy who's going to win several grand slams. I just feel like that the betting odds have expected too quick of an immediate jump. And I think that until he actually wins several ATP clay tournaments, besides ones that are just in his own home country, I think putting him at a minus 150 is a little bit absurd. I think he should be favored. I agree with you. I think he should be closer to plus 125. If he was in Gestad, I'm curious what the odds would be because you'd have Rude and Berrettini in there. I'm assuming Alcaraz would still be favored in that tournament. Mm-hmm. At this stage in their careers, for comparison, Alcaraz should not be favored in the tournament over Casper Rude on clay. It just shouldn't happen because Rude made it to a final. He's been very solid. And the point is Alcaraz doesn't have enough quality results because he's still extremely young to warrant being a huge favorite. So I think it's a crazy price. You can argue Alcaraz should win the tournament. I'm not going to take him at minus 150. I think that's ridiculous. So we're going to end up pivoting and talking about some other guys, unless you want to make a case for Alcaraz minus 150, because I really don't see a case. No, I, I mean, I'll do a little pros and cons here. He won in Madrid earlier this year. He won in Barcelona. But you can't forget, the first time he played clay this year, he lost. He lost the quarter in three, and that's not that's not such a, I mean, it's not the hardest matchup, but it's not the easiest matchup. You know, Alcaraz should easily win a match like that against Sebastian Corda, um, but it, it's that change of surface again. You know, he played in Miami before that, and then he had to go into clay a couple, 10 days later, and he lost. So a uh, transition like this where we see a similar uh, change in surface, grass to clay, minus 150, it's, it's just too much. Yeah, but since we're going to segue there, uh, we got to talk about who's going to win the tournament then if we don't want to lay it with Alcaraz. Uh, Any thoughts here? I am a little bit concerned personally about Baez, who was my pick to win last week, but he just played a bunch of matches. He lost in a final. I, I have to fade Baez, right? I mean, he's so good on clay, but isn't there always a chance that he just withdraws from the tournament because he's just absolutely gassed? Yeah, and you lose your fi- your uh, futures bet there if he does withdraw. And if he plays uh, even a, a game, and then yep. he do- and then he withdraws. So well, I kind of meant withdrawing as in he just wouldn't participate at all in the match, and you just get a refund. But the point is, 
I don't know how Baez is supposed to go from one full week of tennis to another full week of tennis without being gassed at some point. Right. I'm staying away from Baez personally. Right, yeah. I mean, he, he had the worst outcome you could possibly have. You make it to a finals of a tournament and then lose. You know, your stamina is depleted and you don't have the momentum of just winning a prior tournament. He's in a bad shape at the moment. He's, of course, a, a good clay court player, but uh, I got to stay away from him as well. Same thing with Sarundolo, who's also in the tournament. He's a 35 to 1. I would be shocked if he actually played his first round match. Uh, he just won his first ATP tournament. I think he's going to go celebrate. You, I don't know why he would bother. Uh, I, I, he might be. He, if he traveled, uh, I'm guessing he traveled over there. So uh, maybe he'll play his first match. I could see him playing his first match and then saying, all right, I'm done at some point. So, yeah, I would stay away from him as well. He does have the momentum of winning, which I just said, but it won't matter because of the stamina. And, yeah, he just won his first ATP title. So, yeah, I, I got to stay away from him too. And since we talked about some guys on our fatal list, uh, who do you actually like to win the tournament? Uh, well, uh, like I said before, if you're going to go uh, for somebody to win the tournament that's not uh, the favorite, you got to go on the opposite side. So you're really looking at the bottom half draw here. And instead of having a guy like Berrettini, on the other side, you have a guy like Rublev, who is um, way more vulnerable in a sense, uh, even at full strength, even at his best when he's playing on clay. So... I'm looking at the bottom side of the draw here, and you have uh, in the third quarter, you have Davidovich Fukina, you have Ko Kovalik, Musetti, Rusevori, and Schwartzman, Basilashvili, Karatsev, Koria, Galan, Serendolo, Altamire, Bublik, and Rublev. Uh, you have the both those two bottom guys who I just mentioned why not Rublev, but Bublik also, like Serendolo and Baez, just played a full tournament and it's just going right into it. I'd be surprised if he does much in this tournament. I'd be surprised if he would play a couple, even a couple matches here. So I'm looking for a long shot here and... I want to say David Dovich-Fukina, but he hasn't really played so well, and you only get plus 1,600, so I'd probably go well, with... He, he did win yesterday. He ended up beating uh, Botic. Uh, right. He beat Vanderschlup, so... Right, right. I mean, it's not much of a, much of a match. So I, I'm going with a guy that we picked last tournament. Didn't really pan out for us, but at the number that I'm seeing for him, I think there is a lot of value. Of course, I'm not saying I, I guarantee he's going to win the tournament, but for his number and value, which is what we're looking at, Federico Correa is at a plus 6,500 to 65 to 1 is what I see. And he has a quarter where you have Rublev Bublik in there, which you never know who's going to uh, if they're if Bublik's going to play if, and Rublev's, you know, he's vulnerable. Um, then he has to play Galan and then Basilashvili and Karatsev, who has had those allegations of max, match fixing. And with the clay court specialist like Coria at 65 to 1, that's who I'm looking at. So, once again, that was my long shot. So, <laughs> thanks a lot. Uh, 65 to 1, I mean, I'm not going to roast him for losing a third set tiebreaker against Rublev in the last tournament. Like, he gave it all he had. He just didn't have enough. It's fine. He fought well, and he has been a very good clay court player in his career. But since you ended up taking him, I am going to pivot and try to talk about some players with value. Rune burned me last week, but I still think he's a really good clay court player. So, I'm kind of on the fence with Rune. Hoping that the transition 
uh, from grass to clay may, may have resulted in a terrible performance, but I still like Rune, and I do think there is some value at 22-1. to 1. I don't think there's many favorites up top that I actually like because Rublev at plus 550, he barely beat Coria, and then Baez kicked his ass. And I'm trying to think of Rublev. I know he ended up beating Dejir in the middle, but I don't think he's good enough to fully win the tournament unless a couple of people lose in front of him. Diego Schwartzman, I'm not interested in. I'm not sure what that 6-0-6-1 performance was against Karenia Busta, but I'm out. I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Baez, I already said I'm out on. Ruin I'm looking at because I still think he's a very good clay court player. I don't really know what happened last time out. So I might just chalk it up to a surface change excuse and hope that he bounces back. But Ruin I'm interested in at 22 to 1. Musetti had a nice win against Lahovich yesterday. But I still don't know if I can fully trust him at 25 to 1 because his results in the ATP this year have really not been that good. He's been good in challenger stuff, and we know that he's capable of pulling off deep runs in clay court tournaments in the ATP level, but he hasn't done it this year, so I'm not exactly sold the 25-1. to 1. I think Dejir is maybe appealing because he actually looked pretty good last week before losing to Rublev in a competitive match. Do you think there's any value there at Dejir? Yeah, I, I like Dejir as well. Um, he's going to be playing Borna Korich, who you know, hasn't been playing like... Uh, his full potential in years now, and definitely not really the biggest clay court guy. So you have a couple of matches there where Dejer can pick up some momentum. He does play Rune in the in the um, in the match after that, so that would be tough for him. But if he's able to get through both of those, he could be able to get momentum and momentum and come out of that quarter. And at that price, it's not so bad. Yeah, but once again, it's one of those spots where anytime you have a minus favorite, you try to pivot elsewhere unless you have Nadal in the clay court tournament. But Alcaraz is so young. He's so – I can't fully call him unproven because he did win the one tournament where he beat Djokovic and Nadal. But I think you understand my point. I feel like we're crowning him too early, and I need to see more results where he actually lifts the trophy at the end of the tournament – for him to warrant this minus 150. Yeah. Is that a fair way to sum it up? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's all those reasonings. It's a transition over to Clay from being on grass. Like I said before, he lost to Corda when he did that last time. And he hasn't won so many tournaments. I, I, minus 150 is just way too big of a price to, um, to pay right now when he's, he is where he is at the, at the moment. Yeah, but... Any, any other names you want to throw out there, either for a backing or a fading purpose? Uh, well, I'm trying to find Galan here. The only reason why I'm looking at Galan is because he has played Coria this year and beat him on on clay. So maybe Galan as well, if he's a big, big price. Um, you know, we mentioned Coria, it's 65 to 1. So if, if Galan's even bigger than that, then I would also consider that to be a nice price for him. I see him at 50 to 1, actually. So 50 to 1 is not so bad either. You could take either one of those guys. One of them will win that match. So they'll be moving on. And, you know, you could always hedge down the line. So one of those guys, probably, if I'm going to take somebody. Well, once again, we're taking a couple long shots in a tournament because we're not exactly sold on the favorite in the spot. 
If Alcaraz wins it, I can't even say that it's an I told you so moment because we still don't think he should be minus 150. So we're going to try to find value wherever we can. And unfortunately for, I'm sure some of you listening who liked Alcaraz to win the tournament, he could still win. But the odds are definitely not where they should be. And for me, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But either way, uh, I think that pretty much covered it. I'm trying to think of any other people that you should automatically fade I already mentioned fading Baez and fading Sarundalo because of the fatigue from last week. Uh, You should also fade the likes of, in my opinion, Karatsev. I know that he had the match-fixing thing. He ended up winning a couple of matches last week anyway, but I don't think he's good enough to win the tournament. Bublik, I'd be shocked if he played. The concept of playing grass in Rhode Island and then immediately (laughs) flying to Germany for Hamburg on clay, I don't see that happening. So Bublik, I don't think he's going to participate, or if he does, he won't play well. Uh, Chorich, of course, got injured in Wimbledon, didn't play. That's an auto-fade for me. Chorich at 50-1 to is a joke. He should be closer to 100-1 to in my opinion. Uh, besides that, Fagnini is the attractive name on paper because we know his past clay career has been amazing. Can we call him cooked? Because it doesn't really look good for Fagnini right now, and I think that it's safe to say he's past his prime. No, yeah, I look straight away when I see the name Fonini. Yes, he could win a match or two, but it doesn't seem like he could win anything after that. And, you know, you never know when he's going to throw in the towel. He's been doing that for uh, months now, years really now. That's a name that I just can never back in in a tournament for a future. Yeah, but of course, people are going to see Fognini and think of all of the great clay matches he had in his career. Just so happened, most of them were about five, ten years ago. So he's not the guy he used to be. Uh, I know you said you liked Rusevori last week. It's a potential long shot. That did not work out. Uh, any thoughts at 50-1 to 1 or absolutely not? Uh, he has a decent draw. The guy that I'm fa- – like I, one of those fades that I have the most uh, – really am, like I'm looking away from, and I think he'll lose early. Basel's even though he does want- – no, he won a match already, but Musetti. Oh. He's just not in form. Yes, he was able to beat Lahovic today. But the guy has been putting up bad numbers when it comes to the performances in these tournaments. I expect him to lose early. So you have a guy like Rusevori. I think Schwarzman will win that match. So I'm, I don't love it. But if Rusevori is able to come out of that match, he plays Musetti, and then he plays either Davidovich, Fukina, or Kovalik. So he's, he could be, if he comes out of Schwarzman, he has a good shot of winning the quarter. But, you know, I don't think he's, you know, such a spectacular player that I'm so excited about when he's playing Schwartzman in the first round and David Dovich Fukina. So I can't really back him either. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the outrights because we still have to go through some actual matchups. But I do want to ask you about one of our favorite players on clay who I just mentioned lost six, you know, won one game against Karenia Busta. Do you think Schwartzman has a shot or do you think that that one bad performance is maybe showing signs of some type of underlying issue that he's currently dealing with? Or was it just a fluke? Uh, I can't say it's a fluke. I mean, if he, if he loses 6-0-6-1 and it's not an injury or it's not, I mean, it can't, like, it can't even be fatigue. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, you can't lose 6-0-6-1. You Karina have to Busta played serve. the best. Yeah, Karina Busta played arguably the best match of his life. But even with that being the case, you won one damn game. I got to assume that there's an injury involved. That yeah, that's 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 it's just a joke. It has to be an injury or else that is just poor, poor, poor performance. I mean, brutal. So 
Uh, it's really hard to back a guy after such a bad performance there. You never know who is going to face where that same performance can show up, especially if there is an injury. So he's another guy at 11 to 1. Was he the third favorite? I can't take him. Yeah, I was just throwing it out there. But I think we've kind of covered enough of the outrights. Uh, we kind of mentioned a bunch of names, some easy fades, some guys who we think have some value. I do agree with you about some potential value on Coria at around 65 to 1. The Galan match in the first round after this recording isn't exactly ideal, but he's a good enough clay court player where he should be priced ahead of Bublik, Basilashvili, Fagnini, Chorich. You get the idea. The point is, I think Corey is still mispriced. I think he should be closer to 40 to 1 as opposed mm-hmm. to 65 to 1. Right. Uh, for. The picks here, though, I'm going to go with Rune again. If he burns me, then I'll just move on and find somebody else. But I still like Rune, and I'm not going to overreact to one bad performance. It'd make me a little bit of a hypocrite because we both think that Rude is going to win in Gestad, even though he lost in the first round of the last tournament he was in. And yet Rune had a bad performance, and I'm supposed to write him off. Now, it's a little bit different because Rude's opponent ended up winning the whole damn tournament and Hussor ended up losing about a round or two later. But I'm hoping the surface change will result in a small amount of rust for Ruin, and I'm hoping he kind of knocked it all off in the last fight. In the last fight, I can't even say it was a fight. It was a match, but it wasn't even a fight. He kind of got smacked. But either way, I'll go with Ruin at 22-1, to and I will throw a little bit of a flyer there with Coria as well, but I am looking at Dejira 28-1. to I think he's a good enough player where he warns to be closer to 22 to 1, 20 to 1. I think Dejir's got enough gra- got enough clay talent to maybe make it past a couple of rounds, maybe sneak his way into a semi. It wouldn't totally surprise me. Right, yeah. I mean, uh when it comes to this tournament for me, I'm going with a bunch of, uh, a couple flyers. I can, I just can't take I think obviously Alcaraz is the best player in the field, but I just can't take him at a minus 150. So I'm looking at all the uh, all these players on the other side. Um Coria, I don't at 65 to 1. Uh, yeah, sure. Give me give me some of that. Give me some of I'll take honestly you, we talked about Rusevori, but at 50 to 1 uh, I'll take some of him as well. Even if he does lose to Schwartzman, 50 to 1 is not bad for the quarter that he's playing in. And I'll also take a little bit of David Dovich Fukina, who has a match. His next round is against Kovalik, where he's a minus 500. Yeah. And then you have to play either Musetti, Rosavori, or Schwartzman. I'll take a little bit of him as well. Um, the issue, I think, though, I mean, I'm talking about just winning the half, the bottom half, or winning the quarter. I can't really. Uh, it's it's really tough to even hedge it because I feel like if if Alcaraz makes it there to the finals, you you have a tough time hedging because Alcaraz could be what like a minus seven fifty uh, in the final between any one of those guys. So it might you might have a tough time, but if you have a guy that's sixty five to one or fifty to one, you'll be able to hedge without. A I problem. think that seven fifty is a bit of a stretch. I'm assuming he'll be around four. To, I'm assuming he'll be around minus four hundred, maybe minus four fifty. Uh, if I, I had know. to guess. We'll see uh, how they look over the course of the tournament. But. Yeah, but I think it's a flyer is going to get into this finals here so on the other side, so I, I, don't, I don't know. If, if Alcaraz makes it, I think he's going to be a high price. Could be, but we'll see. Either way, we're going to have a show during the week where we can get closer to the final and we'll reassess. But long story short, we like a lot of different long shot or flyer options. Alcaraz might win it. We don't really care. At the end of the day, we just think that that price is absurd and we're going to try to chase the value. So... 
Besides that, though, uh, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors before getting into the lock and dog segment. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed on computers, tablets, phones, even fire stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30 day money back guarantee. That's just just like getting nine months absolutely free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We went through Gestad, we went through Hamburg, and now it's time to talk about our lock and dogs for the show. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock? Uh, my lock, I'm going to start off with somebody that is huge favorite, but I'm actually going to go against him a little bit. I'm going to take the Alcaraz Kuhn over 17.5 and minus 135. I think that Alcaraz is just getting back on clay court. I think that Kuhn is uh, the hometown kid there, and I think that they're going to be able to have a little bit of a match. You know, 17 and a half is an absolute blowout. You need like a 6-2, 6-2 match, 6-2, 6-3 match really to win. If it goes even to 7-5, we cash the over there. So if Kuhn has any type of game here or Alcaraz is able to fumble just a little bit, which I think is definitely possible now that he's transitioning courts, uh, we we can we will cash the seventeen and a half. So that's what I'm going to go with the over seventeen and a half and minus one thirty five. Yeah, and also if you're trying to do the math at home, uh, the magic number is five. If Kuhn wins five games, you win. That's right. So just keep that in mind because of course if he gets to five, it'll be either six two six three. That's an over, or he goes seven five six uh, zero. Seventeen and a half. It's seventeen and a half. And I said six two six three. That's right. Sorry, that gets you to seventeen. Yeah, you're right. My bad. But the point is that it's still a pretty low number for a hometown kid to get off to a decent start. Alcaraz changing courts might end up starting slow, so I can understand that. But mine's going to be in a matchup between Dejir and Chorich, and I'm going to take Dejir minus two and a half games at minus 115. They've played twice in the past. They actually played a little while ago, ended up playing uh, in May and Dejir ended up winning in three sets, 6-2, 6-7, 6-2. So he dominated in the games. He just lost one tiebreaker in there. They played back in 2018 when Chorch was fully healthy, and Dejir won that match in three as well. So he's 2-0 heads up. But Chorch, I mentioned how he's been injured. 
and how he was unable to participate in Wimbledon. He played one match eight days ago. Sam, have you ever heard of a Belgian player named Nicholas David Ionel? Is that spelled with an E? Uh, I-O-N-E-L. Then I have not actually heard of him. So the reason why I brought that up his rank, according to SofaScore, is 305. Okay, all right. Chorich, That's right out of my range. Top yeah. 300 is where I'm at. Yeah. Chorich, <laughs> uh, I never heard of him either before looking it up. Chorich lost to him 6-4, 6-2. That's the only match he's played in about a month. And now he's facing off against Tajir, who was able to win a couple of rounds last week and also pushed uh, Rublev to a little bit of a pressure situation there. But with the 2-0 head-to-head and with the current form of Chorich trying to come back from injury, I think two and a half is a bargain, in my opinion. So I'm going to take that at minus 115. And Sam, going towards your dog. Uh, I'm just going to give one more justification on my over and my lock. Uh, if you go to Alcaraz's, if, you talk, if we're looking at Alcaraz's first match in every single one of these clay court tournaments that he has, he lost a quarter, which I talked about earlier. That hit the over, won three sets. Then the first match in Barcelona, he won the tournament, but the first match he went three against Quan. Not a clay court player in the least. Over six one six two six two one three sets. Then you look at Madrid, the first match over against Basilashvili six three seven five. Then we look at even Roland Garros French Open. We look at the first two sets six four six two over. Every single one of the first matches he's played in these clay tournaments has hit the over. So that's why I still like the 17 and a half. But for my dog, I'm going to go a little bit off the path here. I'm not going to go with the specific match even. I'm going to take in Gestad tournament, winning half, top half of the tournament. Now, that does include Rude, so that's why I like it the most. But the reason being is that the top half of this tournament has all those middle ground players that are solid. It has Green, it has Ramos Vignolas, it has Husler, it has Montero, it has those middle ground guys that could, or and Munar, which you talked about earlier, it has all those middle ground guys that could be able to make a run like Serendolo did in this past, um, past tournament last week. And the bottom half is a little bit weak-sided here. You do have Berrettini, of course, who sure can match up with Rude, but Rude, I think, would be able to beat him in a clay court match. Um, but other than that, you have Pedro Martinez, Bautista Agu, and team. I mean, they're, they're decent players, but when you count up the number of decent players or good players on clay on the top half of the, of the tournament here, I think it outranks the bottom half and you get a plus 100 here at the top half, which would include our boy Casper Rude. Yeah, so I had no idea where you were going with that one, but I actually kind of like it. You really, <laughs> you really called me off guard there. You're trying to keep it a secret while we were at break. And uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised, but it definitely makes sense. It seems like you're getting a very nice price there with a lot of options to realistically pull off either a Cinderella run or for Rude to run the table. But I'm going to stick with an actual match taking place. And it's going to be one we haven't talked about, but I do think it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be between Jari and Montero, and I like over two and a half sets in that match at plus 130. If you want to look at the actual history when these guys get together, you've had a couple of really competitive matches, and to go through them in order, they played recently. Uh, they ended up playing in February, 
and Montero won in straight sets. However, there was a 7-6 tiebreaker with an 11-9 score in there. So it was kind of a toss-up followed by 6-4. The match before that, they played in 2021, and that match was on clay, uh, 7-6, 6-7, And then they ended up having a match before that a while back in 2017, which was a blowout. But the point is, the last two matches have been very competitive. You've had four tiebreakers in the last five sets all on clay between these guys. So I do think you're going to see a very competitive, very close match. And plus 130 for two somewhat even players to go against each other, I think, has merit. Plus Montero did just win a challenger event on clay. And if you want to go through those actual matches, three of the five matches went three sets. He ended up beating Bagnus in three, beat Lahovich in three, beat Rodionov in three in the first round. The only two that he ended up winning in straight sets was against Gombos and Shevchenko. But the three quality clay court players that he's gone up against recently all went three sets. I think Jari's good enough to get it done, at least for one out of the three. Give me over two and a half sets of plus one third. Yeah, I, I mean, when you have two guys that are matched up very evenly, you've been cashing those also all of last week. So uh, you got a guy, two guys that are evenly matched, plus 135 there. You said plus 130 or plus 135? Plus 130, but yeah, four bad. of the last five sets on clay between the two of them have gone to tiebreakers. Yeah. That's uh, wild. Yeah, that's... What's the over? Uh, the over in that one... That's a good question. Uh, let me just dig that up for a second. Sorry. Um... Or I think about adding that to your lock collection. No, I just I I just want to see if there's any good numbers there that you could take advantage of. Uh, uh, well, I mean they're they're very evenly matched. I think maybe Montero's a minus one twenty five. So I, I I see it here. It's a over twenty three and a half and minus one fifteen. So really not much. There's no point. But that's the point. The point is if you're going to be pricing a clay court tournament total in a match at twenty three and a half, you got means you're expecting draft. either three sets or a tiebreaker with a seven five. No, no, no. You, so you go I'm going to take the over in sets instead. It makes a lot of sense. You get way more value. Either way, uh, once again, uh, that was the lock and dog segment. Uh, besides, uh, yeah, besides our picks and our outrights, Sam, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, I think we I think we covered it pretty good. These tournaments they they could get all over the place. Uh, I would say sprinkling in at those big big dogs and maybe hedging, maybe not even having to hedge with a guy like Serendolo last week, which we saw. Uh, you may not even have to hedge. Um, it's not really worth it to pick these big big favorites, uh, especially like Alcaraz at minus one fifty. So I, I would just keep an eye on those big dogs and try to get value where value is. Yeah, and worst case is you could always hedge along the way if you really think that you have a dog that maybe has a shot, but you maybe think you're just you should just take the profit. You can always do that. Either way, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R E I C H E L Radio. And besides that, we'll have another we'll have another episode during the week. I know I just recorded a WNBA podcast with Terrell, so stay tuned for that. I haven't posted it yet, and we'll be busy. So looking forward to producing more content for all of you, and we'll catch you all next time. Whoa, 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 You could catch me at Sam Jacob Tennis. Uh, we have two matches. I'm in two tournaments here. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about when the brackets fill up a little bit more, which should be exciting to see if any of those big favorites get upset early. But, yeah, you can find me at Sam, at Sam Jacob Tennis, coming out with content, coming out with tennis content um, soon. And, obviously, when this 
podcast is posted. Otherwise, you'll find me here always at this podcast. So. Sam, just for future reference, when I tell you if you have anything else to add before we wrap up the show, that's when you plug in the Twitter. Well, I don't know. Usually you tell for me where can they find you. Where saying. can they find where can the folks find you is what I, re- I usually hear. So I don't, I, you threw me off. Just saying. Either way, all right. we'll catch you all later in the week.